Thanks, Karen. Um, so as she said, my name is Renee Perez, and I'm really excited to be here with everybody this evening as we wrap up our study on the book of Jude. Um, I've been participating in the women's Bible studies for a few years, but brand new to teaching it. Um, so this study in particular has been wonderful to dive into, and I really appreciate studying God's word alongside of you ladies. Um, let's go ahead and open with prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for these ladies that um, are joining us here in person and virtually as we go deeper into your word. God, thank you for loving us and for guiding us. Thank you for the richness and the depth of your word. Give us help to understand your word so that we can know you more. God, thank you for the precious gift of Jesus. May our study glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, last, um, sorry, <laughs> this week we're looking at the last two verses from Jude's letter. Um, and then we will summarize the book of Jude as a wrap up. So, before we jump into these last two verses, let's review the context of the letter. If you remember, Jude opened the letter with a greeting. And that greeting uh, we learned was common during the Greco Roman times. Jude followed the format of sender then the description of his recipient, and then a prayer or a blessing. Jude, the evidence supports, was the brother of Jesus, and he wrote his letter to a Jewish audience of believers. He identified his recipients as those who are called, beloved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Then he gave a blessing. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Jude's letter transitioned into asking the recipients to contend for the faith, and Jude gave serious warnings about the false teachers that had entered into the church. He referenced Old Testament scriptures, he referenced apostles' teaching, and he referenced religious texts from outside of the Bible. Last week, Lindy led us through verses 17 through 23. We learned about building ourselves up in the most holy faith, praying, keeping ourselves in the love of God, and waiting for the mercy of Jesus Christ. So that moves us into this week, and it's no surprise that Jude concludes his letter in a beautifully and poetically written praise to God. I'm going to read the last two verses, verse um, 24 and 25, from the ESV translation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. So these last two verses form the doxology. Now, some Bibles have a heading that says doxology, but that was not present in the original text. So what is a doxology? A doxology is a term used to... Um, describe an expression of praise to God. And Jude's words do just that. Similarly to the greeting, the doxology has a specific format. And this format is addressee, honor, duration, and response. So we're going to start by looking at the longest portion of the doxology, and that begins in verse 24, and that is the addressee. It starts with, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... The first part, now to him who is able, is giving glory to God. It's emphasizing God's power. The next phrase is 
to keep. So what does that mean for God to keep us? Throughout this letter, Jude is really succinct in his words, but he is so robust in his meanings. When I first started looking, studying deeply into the book of Jude, that concept of being kept by God really stood out to me. And we find this throughout the book of Jude. It starts in the beginning when he says, kept for Jesus Christ. Now, the Greek word that was used at the beginning is different than the word here at the ending of the letter, but this concept is similar, and that is that God protects us. In fact, some of the translations of the Bible use the word protect instead of the word keep. So if you can recall, a few weeks ago, Carrie was teaching us. She shared the example of her mother asking her to look both ways before crossing the street. This was a warning, but it was this form of protection. So I think about my own children and how I keep them in a car seat when they're in my car. Again, it's a form of protection. Another way to picture this is to think about the shepherds in Luke 2.8, keeping watch of their flock, remembering that there were wolves seeking to devour them. This image points to our good shepherd who watches his sheep. This ties well into the context of Jude because earlier in the letter, he describes false teachers as shepherds feeding themselves. So what does it say that he is keeping you from? It says he is keeping you from stumbling. Now this brings several questions to mind. Does God always stop us from stumbling? What does it mean by stumbling? Is it saying that if we're in God's love, we won't sin We know from 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So, it is possible for a believer to fall into sin. Therefore, Jude is not talking about the ability of living a sinless life. Here, we are reading that God is keeping us from stumbling. The Greek word that was used for stumble was used... um, in Greek, to describe the way a horse may stumble. So to keep one from stumbling would mean that a person is sure-footed. So God is able to make us sure-footed by the power of his grace and his mercy. God has mercy on us, and he offers us the assurance of eternal life through belief in Jesus. Believers have been justified in their faith by Jesus, and sorry, justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And that can never be taken away from them. So in Jude's letter, he emphasized to his readers to abide in God's love. If they're abiding in God's love, they can rely on God to protect them from being deceived by false teachers. So maybe as you've been reading the book of Jude, certain parts have left you feeling convicted or possibly you have felt anxious about the idea that Jude asked his readers to contend for the faith. Here, Jude lovingly reminds us that while we are to be keeping ourselves in the love of God, let us remember to rely on God, who's the one who is able to keep us. In a commentary by Zane Hodges, he wrote, one of the chief lessons to be learned from 2 Peter and from Jude is how fully possible it is for Christians to fall into gross sin. If a believer is preserved without falling, it is abundantly to the glory of God. If it were impossible for a true believer to fall, the doxology would be lacking its vibrant note of triumph.
So we're going to learn more about this vibrant note of triumph. Um, it continues from to keep you from stumbling and to present to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. So God is able to keep you from stumbling and is able to present you blameless. Another way to say present is to make you stand. The word blameless means without blemish. This refers back to the Old Testament sacrifices that were made to atone for sins. The animals sacrificed were supposed to be without blemish, but Jesus is our perfect sacrifice. In Ephesians 5.27, the word tells us similarly that Jesus presents the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So God is able to make people stand before him without blemish because our justification comes from Jesus. Continues on into um, in verse 24, before the presence of his glory. So where else do we read about God's glorious presence? It's mentioned several times throughout the Bible, but one um, popular story is Moses at Mount Sinai, where we read about the glory of God. In Exodus, Exodus 33, 20, God and Moses were talking, and the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. He continues on to say, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. The glory of God is described in Hebrews as both holy and terrifying. So God, through the work of Jesus, is able to present believers before his glorious presence without fault. And after we read about the difficulties happening in the church when Jude was writing, and knowing the difficulties in our world right now, this is incredibly good news. And I say that as a person that needs God's grace and as a person that can say, if God did this for me, he can do it for you and you and the next person and the next person. As Jude reminded us earlier in the letter, it's not permission to go and abuse the grace of God. It's not telling us to run to sin, but it is telling us we can run to God if and when we sin. It's a beautiful reminder of his abilities and our hope. I don't know the different roads people have walked down or may be facing, but this is real hope. God is the one who came to us in our sin. He took our place. He's sitting on his throne, and he's able to present believers before his glorious presence without fault. But wait, there's more. He adds, with great joy. So this is God's joy, and this is our joy. When we remember it's God's joy to have done this for his church, we have inexplicable joy that cannot be taken from us. It's not saying there won't be times of sadness or difficulties or trials, but the joy of believers is from God and is in God. He's the only one who's able to present us or to allow us to stand. This is work we cannot do ourselves. And the joy is God's joy because he is the one who is able to do this. So how do we respond to this God? With 
giving him the highest praises. Jude transitions from verse 24 to 25 into the portion of honor. So he writes, To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. Here, Jude emphasizes that there is only one true God. This is differing from the false idols of the world. And this God is most deserving of the highest praises as Jude writes them. Jude's words highlight that God alone is worthy of these praises and of these honors. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you notice Jude uses the word our? This indicates a common salvation. So if you recall earlier in the letter, he started out, or towards the beginning, he said that he wanted to write about our common salvation. We see that idea come in here at the end. So at times it might seem like the Christian life is a life that you're walking alone, or maybe you feel like there's not many of you, but it's important to remember there is a community of believers, past, present, and future, and they walk this walk with you. So to God, first, be glory. Glory is an attribute of God that is really complex to put into our language. I appreciated Jackie Hill Perry's words that she wrote. She wrote, God's glory was, and still is, intrinsic to who he was and is. Even before it was seen in what God has done and will do, So God deserves glory because he is eternally glorious. Next, in the doxology, Jude refers to God's majesty. So this word reminds me of kings and queens. And God's majesty refers to his supreme greatness and his sovereignty. It is a reminder to us that he is our true king. Lastly, Jude writes... To him be dominion and authority, which describes God's powers and his capacity. God's dominion is managed by wisdom, righteousness, goodness, and grace. This honoring of God contrasts the errors of the false teachers that were mentioned earlier. Jude's doxology models for us a righteous response to God. The next portion of the doxology, we transition from honor to duration. The duration is before all time, now, and forever. So we're reminded that God exists outside of time. He was there before the world began. He is here in the present, and he will be in eternity future. Jude concludes his letter with the response of amen. Amen is more than just how we end a prayer. It's more than what we say before we're sitting down to eat a meal. Amen carries a meaning alongside of it, and that is, so it is, or let it be. So when we read amen in this letter, we are affirming the contents of this letter. All right, so let's conclude with a review of the book of Jude. So this short book is packed full of content. Um, 
Jude, the author of the book, we most likely conclude was the brother of Jesus. But he doesn't refer to himself as the brother of Jesus. He describes himself as a servant of Jesus. And it's a beautiful way for him to start this letter that was written lovingly, even though it shared truth that could feel heavy as we were reading it. We see the evidence that he was writing to a Jewish audience of believers in Jesus. And we, we saw that based upon the text that he included in his letter. He appealed to his audience to contend for the faith. Jude shared stirred mornings about false teachers. He told his audience that certain people have crept in the church unnoticed and that these people are ungodly. He shared warnings and he shared dangers of false teaching and sinful leaving. Jude referred to some ideas of unbelief, rebellion, and engaging in immoral behavior. Jude used vivid images from nature to describe the ungodly people. We're then reminded of the Old Testament stories about Cain, Sodom and Gomorrah, Balaam, and Korah. We read about the examples of God's judgment. But Jude doesn't leave his audience there. He instead shares with the readers that God extends mercy and believers are able to extend that mercy to others. We should have mercy and compassion, yet be mindful as we are approaching others and keep our fear of the Lord. Jude teaches his readers to pray in the Holy Spirit, to keep yourselves in the love of God, and to wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. He concludes with praising God. He highlights God's abilities to keep us. He praises God for his power and for his grace. Jude ascribes the attributes of God that God alone is worthy of. He, he is worthy of glory. He is worthy of majesty. He's worthy of dominion and authority. Jude concludes with amen. I hope as you all have been studying the book of Jude, that you've both found blessing and encouragement in this word. And as we wrap up, I think um, Jude's readers, he addresses, he addresses them as his as beloved. It's Jude's beloved and God's beloved. And let us think about how we can contend for the faith that Jude has lovingly urged us to do so. I sincerely thank you all for being here, and I'm going to close this out with prayer. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Jude. Lord, we thank you that your word is true and that your word gives us hope. God, we humbly thank you for your goodness and for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.